Blog Talk Radio. of the Witch. We are so happy to uh, be back on the air again. <clears throat> Had a little uh, self and <laughs> not really self-imposed sabbatical, but in some ways I guess it was. I'm sure that uh, many of our uh, readers and students and followers heard that we had a house fire in June. Actually, June 27th, our house was struck by lightning and um, set on fire. Uh, the fire was very intrusive into the attic area on the third floor, and um, although uh, we can't live there right now, it immediately was condemned um, and inhabitable, um, not only because of the fire damage, but also because of the water damage. The water damage was really extensive, <clears throat> Excuse me, and it was on uh, all, all four floors of the house, unfortunately. So anyway, just to know, we were fine. Uh, yes, we lost some things, but we still have many things. Um, we uh, had a very good insurance policy and very good friends and family who have come to our aid and supporting us. And uh, I'll tell you, we are so grateful. Every day, names of people are going through my head of gratitude for them. Absolutely. We've had so many blessings came out of this uh so many opportunities opened up. So, ironically, uh, so much good came out of uh, so much bad that um, well, it really wasn't. I, I won't. I want to. I don't want to say it was worth it, but uh, it, it certainly is a positive transformation. Right. It was a. It was a, uh, a phoenix experience, yeah. and still is continuing to be a phoenix Raising experience. from the ashes. Yeah. We we are now in a uh, a rental home that was provided by our insurance company. With a, um, it has a, a a term on it, which is fine. We're going to coordinate that with the people who are reconstructing, restoring our home, uh, and um, coordinate all of that together. And um, it's it's a cozy little place, and and will do. And I I've been working this week. Today is uh, this week happens to be the first week I have not had to go over to the what I'm calling the firehouse. The firehouse. Um, and pack up things, make decisions. Um, my time has been completely captured by this event um, because I'm a doer and a participator and advocate, and so that has been my main focus, not only removing ourselves from that house, but getting us set up into this new house. Right. Quite a, trans quite a transition. Right. Um, you know, but things are coming back. Uh, we're... Uh, trying to get uh, back to, to normal. So we have the radio show tonight back again. Um, I'm setting up Raven's Loft. Um, our business, uh, Raven's Loft, was disrupted by the fire because we did business out of the house. So 
now uh, that's the next step to get that back up and running and, um, and we're looking forward to doing all the great work that we did before. Plus, um, as you all know, I know you can feel it in the air, uh, fall is on the way and fall is one of our busiest times of year as far as traveling and um, participating in Pagan Pride Days and also offering our workshops on our teachings. Um, which I'd like to announce this moment, that this Friday we will be in Norwich, Connecticut at Pandora's Box, and we're going to be presenting Italian witchcraft. And uh, it will be, you want to describe what it will be since? uh... Well, yeah, I I really don't teach um, Italian witchcraft all all, as much as I used to. It's, It's kind of rare, actually, to do it, but we'll be doing one there. And it's on the old ways uh, of Italian witchcraft, the foundational roots, um, the tools and, and items that are used, some hands-on stuff. Um, so if you're interested in really the old-style rooted ways of witchcraft in southern Italy, or all of Italy, southern Europe, I should say, um, check it out. And uh, then on Saturday, we will be in Cornwall on the Hudson at Breed's Closet, and Raven will be um, presenting the workshop Communicating with the Body, which is about healing the body. And um, well, it's about envisioning um, what you really want to be with body, mind, and spirit, how to work those three together for the envisioned outcome, whether it be health or, you know, um, reshaping the body, um, reshaping your attitudes towards it. It's, it's all part of the package of blending mind, body, and spirit together uh, so that the communication is, is there and, and effective and consistent. And I will tell you that he is living proof of that. Um, as we keep moving forward with um, Raven's health issue, which um, was very serious January 2016, continues to be serious. However, Good things are happening with that, and we continue to move forward. Raven is healthy, and um, it, it's, it's just magical. You are a magic <laughs> man as far as I'm concerned, and I'm so grateful that you, that you use this opportunity to utilize the techniques <clears throat> and the inner knowing that you have in order to utilize that on this cancer and then has such fantastic results from it that you feel passionate and, and driven to really share this with other people. Because as you and I know, when we are at the cancer center, it, it's, not a, it's not a good thing. Um, doctors, I think, really have no choice of being a doomsday voice because of the statistics that they have to work with every single day. And it's not fair, really, to the patient to have to be, you know, perpetrated upon with these statistics when you can actually do something about it. There's many, Raven's not the only case, uh, his modality perhaps, but people are healing themselves all the time right. because of their attitudes and their their inner knowing of their own bodies and healing and um, having miracles happen. Well, what was interesting is um, when I was first diagnosed in January 2016, the oncologist was talking to me and just in the course of the conversation he asked me you know what i did for a living and so 
you know, I got into um, my authorship, which led to a discussion about, you know, basically my beliefs because he asked me what sustains me in time in university. So, you know, I was sharing with him that over 45 years of my adult life has been devoted to, to magic and ritual and, and the mystic arts. And uh, he said, so um, you've been doing this most of your life? And, he, and I said, yeah. And he says, sounds like you were caring for this very moment. Uh, of having to tackle something that's serious. And he looked up at me and he said, time to bring it. And that was so profound. And I looked at him and I thought, well, that's a message coming from somewhere other than him. And I realized it was time to bring it. It was time to take everything I knew and believed in and turn it into a realization. Because realization is different than knowledge. Um, and so I had to realize my magic and apply it to uh, what was essentially a death sentence. They, January 2016, they diagnosed me as uh, terminal stage four pancreatic cancer and said I had one to three months to live. And I'm now 18 months past that. And uh, the latest CAT scan still shows uh, no signs of cancer anywhere in my body. And the oncologists are just saying that's impossible. So, um, you know, that's, that's what can happen when you, when you can fine-tune mind, body, and spirit, you can accomplish many things, because we are not simply this body. And so that workshop <laughs> um, is going to be at Breed's, on, uh, Breed, Breed's Closet, Cornwall and the Hudson, and that will be at 3 p.m. on Saturday, uh, this coming Saturday. And um, also, I believe... Um, if enough people were interested, we were going to also be doing oracle readings with our deck, the Well-Worn Path and Hidden Path uh, at Breeds on Sunday. So uh, you can call the store and get the details on that from uh, Bernadette Montana, who owns it and who is a very fine person. But and what I want to say, too, is that um, one of my goals is to do workshops for people who have cancer and who have been diagnosed with terminal cancer. And I want to be able to do this through um, communities that are associated with cancer facilities. And those workshops for cancer patients would be free. Uh, I will not charge somebody who has this condition. But the workshop um, that Stephanie is referring to is just sharing techniques and philosophy. Um, and so healing is a part of that, but it isn't really Ultimately, my healing workshop, my healing right. workshop that I will be doing. It's about talking about my um, issues, right? right. Um, and also, I wanted to um, give a shout out to Gina Martini, who was the coordinator and uh, goddess supreme at the Harvest Gathering that was held in Orange, Connecticut, on the weekend of the ninth. Um, of September uh, 8th, 9th, 10th, no, 10th, 11th, 12th, 13th of uh, this month. And um, because uh, Gina was uh, stepping down as the director and she did a fine job, just an amazing job at this gathering, um, hurting cats, as they say, and the people who she surrounds herself with are very compassionate and wonderful people 
one of the, I mean, I think this community is really great. And every time we have a chance to get together with them, the experience remains consistent and the same. And again, we want to reach out and thank you so much and let you know how grateful we are for all that you did for us, um, including the raffle, um, your kindnesses over the weekend with uh, us adjusting to everything, and uh, just a damn good uh, uh, event. Yep. So thank you so much, and um, kudos to you always. So uh, here we are, back in the saddle. Catches us up to date, and yep. And now let's uh, let's turn our attention to the topic of the evening. Now we are going to um, be back every other Wednesday, and we are going to the other Wednesday. So every other Wednesday. We're going to be offering oracle readings by Skype or phone, and that information will be forthcoming very soon, um, beginning in September. So um, if you're interested in having an oracle reading from us, and we, Raven and I do it together as a couple, and we use both of our decks, we shuffle together, and um, it's, a, it's a great experience, and we'd be happy and honored to uh, do one for you, so keep your eye out for that information. Okay, so, yes, here we are back, and uh, tonight's topic is going to be plant spirit. Um, There is a lot of information uh, out there and forthcoming, and a lot of it is uh, is pretty recent, I would say. When I say recent, I mean within the last five years that there has, um, you know, been a fourth wave focus. Um, When I say that, I mean that it's become more of a majority focus than it was a minority focus. Now it's kind of been flushed out and brought into a greater consciousness uh, working with plants, not only in our communities, Wiccan, Pagan, witchcraft communities, um, but also in the scientific community. There has been some incredible breakthroughs um, talking about the consciousness of plants. So um, I have talked enough now. I'm going to let Raven get some words in edgewise. Why not? Um, Yeah, the idea of the uh, plant spirit is very interesting. The ancients believed that, well, in some regions, they believed that there was consciousness in all things. We find it um, also among the ancient Romans. They had a a word which was Newman, and they believed everything, even a rock, had a type of consciousness. It had an awareness of itself, of its place within nature. And this was true also of the Greenwood beings. We're learning much more now through science. A lot of this was already known through shamanistic techniques. But science is catching up to ancient knowledge and has come to realize that plants are actually conscious beings. They respond. They interact with their environment. And these are some of the markers of intelligence. They feel pain, uh, which science has uh, just recently been willing to admit. Um, They don't have a nervous system that we recognize, but they do respond um, to stimulation. So they're feeling. Um, They communicate with each other. Um, There's some studies by Rupert Sheldrake and Suzanne Samard, a biologist uh, who works uh, in forest uh, interspecies systems. Yeah. Interspecies um, communication. Right. Right. So it's really interesting to find out that these plants are 
are aware and feeling and interacting um, in the same uh, ways that we do, not through the same means, but they're certainly doing all the things we do. Um, they just don't uh, have the mobility uh, that other life forms have. So the idea is that the plant itself is the physical body of the spirit. And the spirit is dwelling within it, just as many people believe that humans have a soul within the physical body. This is the same idea with plants. The plant spirits abide within the vessel of the plant. <clears throat> now, they have a system of roots which connect them with some concepts we're going to be talking about throughout the show, um, that there is also memory, collective memory within the earth. And uh, I won't uh, dwell on that right at the moment, uh, probably when we come back from the break. But the idea is that when we look back at the ancients, and, and I like to look at etymology, the earliest word we have for which, for example, is a Greek word, and it is pharmacus or pharmatre, and later on pharmacute, and we're going to talk about those divisions. But what stands out to me is back in the day when they were creating names for people and for things, there was an etymology. The names were meant to identify something unique or something identifiable um, about a person, plant, or thing. Uh, and so they came up with all of these words. Well, in ancient times, you know, most humans were well aware of the greenwood. They knew which plants could heal, you know, which plants to rub on a burn or a wound. So everybody basically had some degree of knowledge about plants and and what plant uh, body parts could do. But they singled out a certain group of people who worked with plants, and they called them the pharmacists, the pharmatrae, and later pharmacute. These were people who had a specific knowledge of plants. And what I believe they were talking about was these were not just people that knew the chemicals uh, of plants, Ancients weren't really botanists, so they didn't really understand chemicals. But they certainly understood that if you did this or that to a plant and ate it or rubbed it on a wound or whatever, certain things would happen. So they knew that was coming from somewhere. But it seems to be when you look at the ancient writings that they believe there was a spiritual event taking place, that the plant was somehow working with a spirit. And uh, to the point where we know that in ancient times they called... Uh, being drunk, intoxicated, dancing with Dionysus because they believed that the spirit of the fermented uh, grape from the, from the vine itself had been consumed and the spirit was within the person. So the person was behaving in a way that was under the direction of the plant spirit. And shamans have worked with this idea. Um, this is nothing new. Um, but science is beginning to catch up with the idea that there's really a lot more going on than what they assume. And it's even pressed past the idea of survival of the fittest because now they're learning that, for example, forests do not compete for the resources. They actually share those resources. And if one tree is low in nutrients, the other plants will shuffle from their own roots nourishment back to the plant or tree that is failing to receive that. So they sort of sustain one another. And that would have been something science never would have, you know, accepted, say, 
10, 20 years ago. So the idea of the pharmacute. Now, when you bring in pharmacute, as opposed to pharmacus, which was the female, which and pharmacy, which was the male, when you bring in pharmacute, you're talking about one who uses magic and one who is using a mystical um, energy. So the pharmacute are the witches who had a spiritual relationship with the plants, a magical relationship with the plants. And that's something that we work with today in the tradition that Stephanie and I practice, which is the Aspersion Willow tradition, focuses on this entire uh, form, uh, technique, and system, uh, working with plant spirits. And we'll be getting into that quite a bit as the show continues. The, uh, one of the things that I want to talk about right now is how that relationship begins with uh, an entity that we call She of the Thorn-Blooded Rose and a technique that we call um, Becoming the Thorn-Blooded Witch because this all ties in with a relationship between us and the plant spirits. It was funny if I could just interject for a moment today while I was unpacking all the herbs and the, in the putting them up in, the, in you know my office in the store area. Mm-hmm. I realized and owned that word pharmacute. I am pharmacute. Yeah. <laughs> I was just looking around. Everything is plant related, you know. It's amazing what my world has really focused in on. Well, the idea of working with plants is having that unique devoted relationship with them. Um, they respond to that and they give back to you. Yeah, you said that before, that plants, that you've seen plants responding to me. More oh, absolutely, yeah. Um, Stephanie can talk a plant back up, you know, from what looks like a, it's losing its uh, grip on on this dimension and, um, and just caring for it and talking to it and she can bring back plants that I thought for sure were honors. <laughs> So the relationship begins with this idea of being thorn-blooded, and it connects with the rose. The rose has been used by secret societies and inner societies for many, many uh, generations as a symbol of, of something inner, something occult, meaning obscured, um, something secret. And secrecy in the old ways was really not about an elitist attitude. It was realizing that people have to be first acclimated to the ways before they can practice them or even share them or really even be taught them. So the secrets would have to be known first. You had to be trained and acclimated. And the rose became the symbol of those who devote themselves to mastering the inner ways so that they really, truly understand. Um, Learning from a book is one thing. But you can only learn so much from a book. The books are excellent signposts. They lead you into things. They can clarify, open up ideas, but they can't continue in and of themselves to lead you to personal gnosis. That comes from your own will. It comes from your... Yeah, I was going to say it comes from your own um, impetus of, of beginning, of initiating. That you want to know more, that thirst. You know, back in the 60s when I first began in the public community, I was sharing this with Stephanie the other night, 
There was a thirst for knowledge. There was a thirst for knowing things and integrating things. And it wasn't only in, in the metaphysical society, witchcraft and Wicca. Um, you know, it was also all of the young people, whether they were hippies or, or mystics or whatever they were, it was a, a generation that was seeking more answers. It looked at the world and thought there has, has to be more than this to it. And there was, and that's the opening of the rose, that moment in which you think to yourself, there has to be more. That's when the rose petal opens, and that sense of the mystical scent of the rose is what draws you deeper into that pathway that leads to inner knowledge, and inner knowledge leads to personal gnosis, a teaching to you, not necessarily from you, but to you and integrated in a way that you can understand it. I think you should define personal gnosis because many people have different ideas about it in the context mm-hmm. that you're talking about it. Well, when I say personal gnosis, you know, I'm talking about if you if you read a, um, a mystical teaching, for example, and you think on that and meditate on it rather than just reading it and putting it away, putting it away, suddenly things will come to you that that you found between the lines in that mystical teaching or poem or whatever it might have been, message within a song. It's something that you had looked at, read, or experienced that was pre-set and that you then found in it something that spoke to you individually. And you came to a knowledge that that was not necessarily written on that page. And that's your personal gnosis. That's a personal knowing you came away with. And people can, can challenge that. And, you know, all you can really say is, I feel it within my being, and, and I know it is true. And maybe I can't explain it to you, but I know within my being that this is true, true to me. That's personal gnosis. And it, and it really is a mystical experience. It's, it's, it's an unfolding, like you're saying, that is a deeper knowledge of the core of the being having the experience. Right. I know it sounds corny, but it really is. I mean, and it's amazing when that happens, too. And a lot of these are, are mystical, but they're also about the mysteries themselves. Right. So uh, we are going to take a break right now, our first break of the evening, and uh, we're going to be playing uh, the Leave High Priestess um, Oh, I'm, I'm bad at this at the moment. I, I wasn't as prepared as I should have been. But anyway, we are going to play her song, uh, and we'll be back after it's over, so please stay tuned. We'll Thank be you. talking about the thorn-blooded and thorn-blooded rose.
Welcome back to Seasons of the Witch on this uh, balmy August night. Um, so we were just talking about uh, She of the Thorn-Blooded Rose and being a thorn-blooded witch and what that meant. And I think we're going to now expand a little bit more upon that um, idea. Right. The, the idea is that um, there is within the land, the spirit of the land, beings that were known to our ancestors by many names. And the one that we work with, um, we call She of the Thorn-Blooded Rose. And what that's all about is there is, in our tradition, we use a blood covenant between plant kind and human kind. Now, plant blood is chlorophyll, and it's green, and human blood, of course, is the red. So we exchange the red blood for the green by pricking a finger or a thumb on a, on a rose thorn and allowing three drops of that vital essence to go into a little shot glass of water, which we pour out on the root um, area of a selected rose bush, which will become our interfacing plant for working with plant spirits through she of the thorn budded rose. Then we take a small shot glass of uh, liquid chlorophyll, which is the plant blood, and we drink that. So there's a blood covenant between us and uh, humankind and plant kind. And we do this in the name of she of the thorn blooded rose. Now, this puts us into a relationship in which she is the sort of ambassador or intermediary mm-hmm. between us and the plant kingdom. Once that covenant is um, secured, then we call ourselves thorn-blooded witches um, because we have embraced that way, that technique, that path. Now, what's interesting, um, and I I didn't foresee it and I probably should have, is even (laughs) though Ashburton Willow is an initiatory system in which we actually initiate and train people in the uh, deeper inner ways, my book, um, Grimoire of the Thorn-Blooded Witch, has a lot of what we're going to be talking about, but not all, and certainly not all of what is taught in initiate. But what we're finding out, uh, you know, is that there are people who have read the book and performed the thorn-blooded rite uh, within the book, and they're referring to themselves as thorn-blooded witches, and they're referring to themselves as followers of the rose and thorn path, which is another term that we use for the Ashbridge and Willow tradition. So it's interesting to see that people were very moti- motivated to not only read the it. book, you know, being drawn to that, drawn. but actually to then trying to find their own way, personal gnosis, of working with the material that's in the book mm-hmm. and using that idea of being thorn-blooded uh, on their own and seeking out. So that's kind of exciting. Well, it's also exciting because they will, they will certainly have success in doing that in working with that material right. and connecting with the plant spirits because they are the teachers. You know, we go to them for the teachings that we are looking for ourselves. Um, so it's very important um, work that, that's being done. And, it, yeah, well, I'm thrilled that people are taking it upon themselves to do that as well. Exciting. Mm-hmm. And um, so we turn to She of the Thorn-Blooded Rose and we... We asked her initially to introduce us to plant spirits, and we'll be talking in just a moment about those particular plant spirits. But we begin usually with the mandrake, 
because the mandrake spirit is the plant that wanted to be human or the plant that dreamed of being human. These were the um, kind of labels they put on it because the root of a mandrake can often appear humanoid. And so our ancestors believed that there was an affinity between humankind and particularly the mandrake plant. So we begin uh, training our initiates to work with mandrake first to meet that plant and then to be introduced to a series of spirits um, from that point on. So there's a technique in which we use a certain symbol, a certain glyph, working with she of the thorn-blooded rose, and uh, work our way in. Um, along those lines, too, I wanted to say that we don't, you don't need to actually have the plant physically to work with it. Um, that was one of the uh, ideas that Raven had because uh, there's often been people who say, I don't have a green thumb, or I live in an area where I can't grow that, or, you know, there, there, there are barriers to them feeling that they can work with the actual plant themselves, or it's just not available. And so, um, for instance, in Old World Witchcraft, you designed plant sigils. Right. And then in the grimoire of the Thorn-Blooded Witch, there are also um, uh, calls to them and seals. So there, those are the ways that you can work with that, um, with that plant spirit and calling to them through these other um, designs that have been... Um, created by Raven, just to keep everybody um, having, keeping people, people having the ability to do it. Well, because some of the plants are, you know, really difficult to find. If and they're poisonous, too. If you're going to do the traditional ones that we're going to talk about tonight, and um, as Stephanie just mentioned, most of them are highly toxic, and, and it's just not wise to work with them until you... Uh, un- understand how to do that safely. Um, some of the plants, like aconite, is extremely deadly to the point where, our degree, if you have a, an open wound on your hand and you touch the root of an aconite plant um, in the in the area of your cut, you will die within 90 seconds, and there's nothing that can stop it. So you have to be extremely careful to wear gloves when working with these plants, to not rub your eyes until you've taken your gloves off and washed your hands. You have to be very, very careful. We've been growing and working with these plants for well over a decade. Oh, yeah. You know, 15 years, years. I don't know, something like that. Yeah. But even today, I am very careful when I'm, when I'm touching these plants. Well, the one that, that I, when you, when you wanted to plant the hemlock mm-hmm. and it was out there, it, it gave me, um, I had so much respect for that. I didn't. I mean, even more so than the aconite. I don't know why, but the the hem, hemlock really gave me that feeling of of the need of respect for it. Right. And I did so. <laughs> so you know, the the witches in days of old worked with what people call the baneful plants, which is an unfortunate term um, because they're not negative plants, but people can use them in negative ways. And um, so we have to sort out sort of these ideas of positive and negative. Um, most often, this is your experience and result is whether you feel it's a positive or negative thing. But like nature itself, a storm is not positive or negative. It's a storm. 
It can water your fields or destroy your fields. And neither is a positive or negative thing on the behalf of nature. It's the way humans perceive the end result of any of these powers or forces. So the in days of old, they worked with aconite and hellebore and hemlock and henbane, nightshade, uh, wolfbane, all of these things, uh, which are, are plants that can be uh, deadly. Yes. Um, but it's not that they have negative purposes or intentions of mm-hmm. the spirits, but they can be worked with within the scope of what they can accomplish, which we'll, we'll talk about soon. But in our tradition, we also work with the birch, the blackthorn, foxglove, hawthorn, uh, rowan, the rose, of course. Um, we already mentioned mandrake. Rue. The rue, yeah. Vervane, walnut, uh, willow, and because these are all have magical associations in both uh, ritual and tradition. Um, and so we still honor these um, these old uh, greenwood allies, and we work with them very closely. And we have them planted in a very specific part of our yard so that they are away from any other plants, and um, you know where they're growing. So you know when you go to that poison garden, as it's called in the witch's garden, you know um, what to watch out for there. What are we going to talk about next? Well, let's talk about shadow and mm-hmm. the organic memory of the earth, and then we can go into the natures of plant spirits themselves, tell you their names and, and a little bit about them and how to work with them. And you'll find all of this information as well. If, if again, if this uh, resonates with you or, or sounds interesting, uh, Raven spoke for more of the thorn-blooded witch is a great uh, reference for all of this. Uh, along with the enchantment calls uh, in the book, it also has uh, illustrations um, of, of all the plant spirits that were drawn by Jane Wells Starr, and they're beautiful. They're yeah. beautiful. And we also have an online course of study on the Ashburton and Willow tradition um, that takes you deeper beyond the book into uh, the Ashburton and Willow concepts and workings. Uh, for anyone that might be seeking that as a possible path or exploring it further, the online course of study is uh, really the next step after reading the book. Uh, and that opens for enrollment, I believe, in March of 2018. Yeah, we run it for nine months, yeah. and then uh, we close it during the nine months and then reopen it for people to, to rejoin. So the idea of um, the organic memory of the Earth is that everything that ever lived and died on this planet, when its body went into the soil, it took with it some something of its energy embedded within the body, something of its memory pattern. And soil is a mineral composition, and minerals are crystalline formations. So the memory within the soil is held in the crystal formations, and we know scientifically and in our belief system that crystals hold energy and they direct energy. So really the memory of the earth is within the soil, the organic memory of the earth. It's the counterpart, the physical counterpart of what some people call the Akashic records, which is a Middle East, I'm sorry, is an Oriental teaching 
um, that memory is held in the found ether of the planet in the same way. Every event that ever happened here, its energy pattern was, to use modern terminologies, you know, uploaded into the Akashic records. The energy is held within those energetic files or hard drive of the bound ether, if you will. Um, so that's one idea, and we feel there's a counterpart to that within the soil itself. And we call it shadow because it's under the earth and it's held, um, holding the memory within the land itself. So we call that the shadow memory. And plants have specialized roots, and these roots have the ability to absorb minerals. So the plant can tap into the organic memory of the earth. And it does so by us having a rapport with the spirit. If you have a rapport with the spirit of the land, with the plant itself, um, spirit, you can persuade that spirit to go into memory and uplift things for you. Uh, one example that I do in workshops is I say, if you go to a sacred site, you know, say Stonehenge or any other place, and you can find um, something green growing there, you can go to it, and through some of the techniques that we teach, you can interface with the spirit. That spirit will go down into the roots of the plants and tap into the memory of that sacred place, and you can ask the spirit to teach you things about what actually took place there. Um, what were the rituals, what were the sounds, what were the, uh, the movements, and actually have that information brought up to you, and then you have to discern it. And that's where personal gnosis comes in. Because Ashbridge and Willow was taught to us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was. It all began with us seeking it out and interfacing with it. And once we tapped into shadow, we tapped into an ancient current, we feel. And this current has been feeding us uh, old knowledge in the way that I'm talking to you now. I, I call it passing it on to us from shadow memory. And uh, it's come to be the formation of the Asperger's and Willow tradition and teachings have all come from this flowing uh, fount that is ever ancient ever new. Mm-hmm. So let's talk a little bit about the spirits themselves and go through a list of them. Um, the first spirit we'll talk about is, a, is um, called Atonin, and it is the spirit of Hemlock. So the spirit of Hemlock is known as Atonin. It serves to make uh, reparations for wrongdoings. It can be thought of as a spirit of redemption. The, the being itself you turn to when things need to be righted. Um, so the, the call of enchantment, uh, you can find these in the book. And um, I'm going to have Stephanie read this slowly so you can kind of get an idea of the call that we give um, to the plant spirits to awaken them to work with us. So this is the call of enchantment for Atonin. So each one of these has a call to it because you want to awaken it and you need to be prepared so when you do awaken the spirit of the hemlock, 
melatonin and it comes to you, that you start to build a rapport with it because that is going to be a very important part of the work that you do. Um, you don't just call forth like, um, um, well, I don't know if this is correct, but in ceremonial magic, you call forth a spirit that you want to work for you and you set it out to do that. No, this is more of a relationship that you're going to develop uh, versus just um, a utilitarian uh, 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 use of the spirit itself. Am I correct in that? Well, yeah, you're calling upon an ally and there's a relationship and there's a give and take. Right. It's not one of master and servant. Right. And one of the things before Stephanie reads this call is in the old days, evocations and calls incorporated what some people might want to call flattery. You you describe to the deity or spirit, you, you tell it about itself in flattering ways. And uh, even like if you were to call a goddess, you know, you might talk about how beautiful she is and how powerful she is. You're sort of wooing them stirring them up and, and, and making them want to be in your company um, by the words, you know, you use. It's the same thing with humans, you know. If you somebody you meet somebody, you know, you can say, oh, it's so good to see you again. I'm really glad you came over, you know. Uh, it makes them feel good and wanted, and it brings them more into harmony with you. And then the next thing that comes out, if you want, suggests that you want to do something together, the person's already acclimated with goodwill towards you. So that's how some of these are designed, and we've used that design in informing the spirit in the call what it is, what we think it can do, and then we sort of bring it into our relationship. So um, we'll go ahead now and have Stephanie do the call to Atonin. Now, um, I I will say this, that Raven's experience, uh, his experience with them, he he has written uh, in the book that most often a tonin will appear as a male a, a male figure. But that doesn't mean it will appear that way for you. It could be mm-hmm. um it could be non gender specific or mm-hmm. it could be either one. Right. So don't let that stop you, you know, never never do it with with expectations of what's going to happen. You have to be receptive and open. Um, and ready for whatever whatever happens in in this moment, because you'll have other moments too that you can use. Now, this uh, spirit is best evoked on a Saturday, um, and it says at the beginning of an even hour of the day or the night. Um, now, Saturday is ruled by Saturn, and this spirit of Hemlock, Atonin, is the spirit of redemption. So that means that it's for me, it also means redemption in that you can set things right, you can move through challenges, you can uh, remove obstacles um, because Saturn is a taskmaster. So keep that in mind as well. This adds to the experience when you bring all of these correspondences and attributes into play anytime you're doing a work of magic or you're um, in, uh, evoking a spirit of any kind. It's, it's an important element of it. So this is the call for atoning. You are he who sets all right, judged in day and so in night. Outraged cries are put to rest. The scales are tipped with but a breast. Misdeeds cower for fear of your hand, 
A deadly price will always stand. A debt created is a debt so made. The leafy hand turns warm flesh to shade. Come to the thorn-blooded witch who hails. I call you to pass through the verdant veils. I reach out from time-honored power by seed, sprout, budded leaf, and flower. So this is um, significant, the ending on that. Um, It's the old call of come to the thorn-blooded witch who hails. So you're identifying yourself as a thorn-blooded witch, and the spirit knows what it took to become that and knows your relationship with she of the thorn-blooded rose. And then it says, I call you to pass through the verdant veils. That's the green. The green realm. The green realm. Yeah. I reach out from the time-honored power, and then that's described, by seed, sprout, budded leaf, and flower. This is the cycle of life itself in the plant kingdom. So you're aligning yourself to the plant, saying, by seed, which begins all things, and sprout, which lifts the plant up, budded leaf, which turns to flower, the whole life process, you're calling it on that power, you're tying it in, that's the power I'm using to raise you, the very power that raises the seed to a plant and to a flower. Um, so that's where that all comes from. So a tonin, a tonin would be a spirit you would call upon to kind of get justice done. Um, some of these calls seem a little dark, but they're meant to be powerful in the wording so that the spirit is vitalized. Well, and as you said, I think it's important that you're, you, that for, a better, for lack of a better word, that you're using the flattery of the attribute of the plant itself right. when you're, That's and right. so the, what you're saying there really applies to what the plant is able to do, right. what it's about, the essence of it. And I, sh- I should have, uh, I wish I had, started out, start out the, in, the, intone, the intonement or the enchantment by saying, atonin. Right. I call to you, spirit of hemlock, and then go into the enchantment. Right. So when you see, like in the call for atonin, um, misdeeds cower for fear of your hand. A deadly price will always stand. That's affirming to the spirit that it has power over things and that it's not easily dismissed. And so it emboldens the spirit to be your ally and to do the work. And that's why you'll find this type of wording. It's old style, which is why the book was called The Grimoire of the Thorn-Blooded Rose. Because, Thorn-Blooded, Thorn-Blooded Witch. Witch. Because this is the old way of empowering spirits in the wording of a call. Um, so it's not it's not light and fluffy, it's very serious and earthy. So the next spirit is called Atropa, and this is the spirit of nightshade. So that's Atropa, spirit of nightshade, and we'll have um, Stephanie do a call from that. Atropa. I call to you, spirit of nightshade. You are she of the hidden night, where shadows form in the mystic light. Beauty in the leafy, in the leafy glade and glen, where life is gathered in, to return yet once again. Giver of visions, dream gifter queen, 
peering into all that never can be seen. Blackness gathers as a great hooded cloak, hushing the ancient words that must always remain unspoke. Come to the storm-blooded witch who hails, I call you to pass through the verdant veils. I reach out from the time-honored power by seed, sprout, budded leaf, and flower. I love that. It's so powerful. I mean, powerful. it builds it builds on it, you know, and it's just it's powerful, especially when you're really um, in the process of, of evoking that spirit to work with it. Which, by the way, I'm evoking them. Yes. So May there always be so peace between us. Yes, May well, you always look with favor we'll upon us. Them before we get off air in case anybody. <laughs> Chanting along gonna, with us out there. Yeah, I'm um, going to have a whole bunch of plant spirits yeah. here in the room with us pretty soon. So if you're soon. chanting along with us, make sure you stay to the end of the show <laughs> so we can dismiss these uh, entities. Otherwise, uh, uh, who knows? Uh, so um, Atropa is a spirit um, that serves to either keep or reveal secrets of any kind. In this way, it's a cloaking spirit of the night who can reveal through drawing lunar light. So you would use uh, tropa uh, perhaps to guard something that's secret, um, a, a ritual tool, a book in which you keep things, um, covenants sworn between people within a coven, um, anything that is meant to to be kept secret can be um, given that power by a tropa. But she can also reveal secrets. So sometimes she can be used to help you find out certain things that are being kept secret from you. So it's a very interesting spirit to work with. Now, the next spirit that we work with uh, in our system is the spirit of Birch. Uh, and the name is Breedeth. Breedeth. And uh, it is uh, the spirit of Birch, who is a being that is very good with working with the dead, contacting the dead, um, and having communication. So Birch is really a very, very old uh, connection to the dead, very old myths and legends. The dead wear Birch vests and hats. Um, The witch's broom traditionally has a Birch sweep on it, which in the old lore of, of uh, in the old witch lore, that helped the witch usher the dead in and out of ritual and at the crossroads. Um, we have the only. The sweep uh, was also used to capture capture spirits, wasn't it? It can be used. Yes, it can be used mm-hmm. to sort of snag them temporarily mm-hmm. and uh, therefore direct them. Um, we only have a couple minutes before the next break, so let's just read this call, and I think after that we'll. Take a break and come back with more plant spirits. Okay. So this is Breedeth, Spirit of Birch. Breedeth, I call to you, Spirit of Birch. You are she who walks the coughing ones when dead plays its final tune. The white tree shows the rebirth path across branches to the moon. Souls fall away from life like leaves on autumn days. All return again to life to walk and learn full ways. Silently, bark feels away, a withering release of form. What falls away in a season 
is in another born. Roots pull away, nothing is bound, and all is free. Souls are gathered in the night, a guided moonlit journey. Come to the thorn-blooded witch who hails. I call you to pass through the verdant veils. I reach out from time-honored power by seed, sprout, budded leaf, and flower. Now, these words and the words of other calls are really worth studying because there's little mini-teachings within them. The references, like here, a reference to the white tree. The white tree is the tree that leads into the other world and is also the rebirth tree through which beings souls. reincarnating, souls reincarnating, reincarnating from the moon are drawn back down into the tree and given birth back into the world of mortal kind. So all these little teachings are, are in these. So when you, if you have the book, uh, read the calls and, and look for these little teachings. They, they tell you a lot Quite a about, bit about the, the, the inner way. Absolutely. They certainly do. So uh, where are we on time here? So we are, well, we've got our time to ourselves. I mean, we can do anything we want because we're in control of the horizontal. I thought we were going to break. We're in control of the vertical. We are. We are going to go to um, break. And this time around, we are going to listen to Spiral Dance play Fairy Tale. And uh, we'll be back right after that. So stay tuned to Seasons of the Witch with the Gramasi. I'm back. Through the verdant veil. Come back through the verdant veil. We call to you through the verdant veil. Do you hang (laughs) (laughs) All right. Fairy tale. Fire in the night, jump through the flames, do the same fine bright. 
to evoke all of these things, and then the spirits are lulled into a rest. Right, exactly. So then we move towards the spirit, to the spirit of Wolfbane. And the name of that spirit is Gebonshin. Gebonshin. And it is the spirit of Wolfbane. And, um, Cersei. Yeah, Gebonshin. Gebonshin. Okay. Uh, if you break it down, Geb. On Geb and Shin, Gebanshin, you put it all together. Mm-hmm. Gebanshin, uh, Spirit of Wolfbane. It serves to banish any unwanted, uh, anything unwanted, particularly enemies and predators, um, things that are kind of messing with you, um, stalking you, harassing you. Um, this is a great spirit to turn um, the tide against those who who want to uh, disturb your peace. <laughs> Gibanshin, spirit of wolfbane, you are he who chases off the foe, chasing the boundaries to and fro. Hunter becomes hunted, in silence or in sound. Those who hide in forest are forced, forced to open ground. Cowled one, brewer of endless fleet, rider of rushing arrows, distance far and deep. The kindred of the hood, hidden eyes that see. Those who set the trap, turn on foot to flee. Come to the thorn-blooded witch who hails. I call you to pass through the verdant veils. I reach out from the time-honored power by seed sprout, budded leaf and flower. So you see within the wording that the Gibanshin works to reverse a situation. Somebody who tries to set a trap for you or tries to harm you in whatever way, um, Gibanshin turns that around on them um, so that they become the hunter. Um, <clears throat> it says, uh, hunter becomes hunted in silence or in sound. Those who hide in forests are forced to open ground. So it flushes them out, uh, identifies who basically is trying to do these things to you. Yeah, the cowled one. Um, Yeah, these are the hidden spirits. Uh, Plant spirits work through the roots and through the leaves. So they either travel in the air on the breeze or they just travel through the rooted network system. Um, and that's how they find uh, anyone or anything is uh, through these networks. And if I can just say something about that too, that in in that aspect of the roots in the dirt and reaching down into the mineral memory, the organic memory of the earth, that one of the reasons that these plants um, uh, have these abilities is that People have for, you know, I'll say hundreds of years, have imbued these plants with saying these things about them and Mm. using them for these specific things. And so that has, as time has gone on, with all of the debris from these plants, for instance, um, when I have plant debris left over from any of my plants, I put it back in the garden and I put it near that plant. And the idea I'm, I'm talking about here is that 
you really have um, in the organic memory of the earth, you also have the momentum of the past, which we've talked about before too, because mm. of all that is decayed and all that has go back, gone back in it, and then all that is drawn up out of that is what's available. Right, they're tapping into the energy that was already built previously, and it keeps adding to their own power. And these plants have been trained over generations to have these uh, abilities because it's an agreement of consciousness. People believe the plant can do this or that, and they work with the plant in that way. So that knowledge or information becomes imbued within the plant. Well, and and, and for instance, this is in... um Raven talks and writes about the shadow garden, which we have. And these are specific herbs, these plants and others that are planted um, in the garden. And then they are ritually harvested. And then once um, the, the plant itself has been used, the plant leaves or stem, whatever it is you're harvesting, the flower, the seed, you always leave something behind. I always leave something behind. I never harvest the entire plant. Um, unless... Even even the roots, you can go down and splice roots off a plant without killing the plant. Okay, so uh, my point is that, for instance, if I have my root plant and it's in my shadow garden and it's in the quarter I need it in for what I want to, the plant to represent and become imbued with, and I nurture it with that, and then I take back, once that I, I have used um, the plant uh, itself, if it's if I burned it, then I take the ash and I put it back into the area of where the root plant is. So if I ritually use this plant material, now I have the ash of that plant material that was used ritualistically. I take that back and I work that into the soil. That then becomes part of the organic memory of the earth. That is you adding to it. And all plants um, in Ashbridge and Willow, we, we do that with them. That's how a shadow garden is um, uh, built up and energized and um, really becomes a powerful uh, place for, for plants and their magic. Okay. Well, the next spirit we want to talk about is the spirit of Hawthorne. And again, all of these can be uh, found in my book, uh, Grimoire of the Corn-Blooded Witch. Um, the spirit of Hawthorne is named Quithana, so it's Quithana, Quithana. And she serves to guard portals and to make them accessible to true seekers. So if you want to open up a gateway into another realm, or even open up ways that seem blocked, uh, Quithana is the spirit to call upon, spirit of Hawthorne. So we'll go ahead and, and have her call Quithana, the spirit of Quithana, I call to you, spirit of Hawthorne. You are the opener of gateways hidden and seen, revealing paths by moon and starlight's gleam. Hinge holder, pivot, all is held fast. The arm that halts or allows one to pass. White thorn that becomes the fairy lamp held by the sentinel with piercing glance. The queen granted the queen granted bow held to pass through for one whose word and heart is true. Come to the thorn-blooded witch who hails. I call you to pass through the verdant veils. I reach out from time-honored power 
by seeds, sprouts, budded leaf, and flowers. One of the teachings that uh, appears within this call, um, it talks about the uh, queen granted bough held to pass through. This is the old teaching that the fairies queen could give you a silver bough in uh, Celtic lore, which would grant you passage, safe passage to and from the fairy realm. So you'll find little teachings like this uh, that are worth looking up later um, when you find them in the calls, because there's lots of little mini teachings that are tucked away in these calls. So the next one is the spirit of Aconite, which is a very potent spirit. Um, the spirit is called uh, Maestra, Maestra, and spirit of Aconite uh, serves to bring forth shadow, the organic memory of the earth, out. Uh, called upon to imbue any ritual and magical tool, aligning them with the crossroads mistress. So this would be she of the crossroads, or in some other systems they would say maybe Hecate. Um, all of this about um, crossroads magic is all under the reign of Maesta. Maestra, I'm sorry, Maestra. 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 Maestra, I call to you, spirit of Aconite. You are she of that most feared in the night, moonless eve in forest, or brightest in moonlight. The dread of life or the fear of death in the deep wooded places all come to rest. Teacher of shadowed things, old mysteries abound when moon is drawn below and lies upon the ground. The witching cup is passed at the hour in between. She of the white round rises and all know her as their queen. Come to the thorn-blooded witch who hails. I call you to pass through the verdant veils I reach out from the time-honored power by seed, sprout, budded leaf, and flower. All these people are going to be coming. (laughs) So in the call, we learn about the teacher of shadowed things, old mysteries that abound. These are the things that can be reclaimed by working with plant spirits. Um, talks about when the moon is drawn below and lies upon the ground. In days of old, they literally looked at the idea that the white round, which is the moon up above, could be mimicked, that you could actually have that circle in the terrestrial sky here on Earth, so they would actually etch on the ground a round circle, which became our ritual circle. And that was literally drawing down the moon, or drawing the moon down on the ground, by mimicking it, by drawing this large circle to mimic the circle overhead, uh, brought you in between. And then it says the witching cup is passed at the hour in between. So the moment in which you stand between the circle in the sky and the circle on the ground, the witching cup is passed and the mysteries can be opened um, when she of the white brown rises and all know her as their queen. So it's that connection with consciousness from the moon's light. Um, so these, again, little teachings hidden within. Uh, now we move on to the next spirit, which is Mandrake. 
Mandrake is unique in that it can show itself as either male or female as there being two of them rather than just one spirit, you know, showing you a gender. There are actually two spirits within the Mandrake realm, a male and a female. And um, they are the magical bridge between the Greenwood realm, shadow, and and the mysteries that flow. They connect us uh, of the living to realms below and in between. Now, if you could just for a moment explain the difference between the the she of the thorn budded rose purpose and then the mandrake purpose. Well, she of the thorn blooded rose oversees all spirits and brings you into communication with them. She's she's an intermediary. She she just helps you connect with them. She oversees the greenwood magic realm, but she is sort of just bringing you to these spirits. She has control over these spirits, or influence rather is a better word. Um, but the the mandrake spirit itself is going to work with you uh, as a magical bridge to the greenwood realm and shadow itself because it is part plant, part human in the imagery of it. So it's a more intimate connection of one particular spirit teaching you these things rather than a spirit that oversees them all. So mandrakes were often called the sorcerer's root because they connected its possessor with the old magic. And the old magic is quite different than modern magic. The old magic is very rooted in archaic concepts that, that empowered our ancestors. And it works in in subtle, quiet night ways. Um, the old magic works without people really knowing it is working. It's one of the few magics that can slip easily past a ward. And um, so it's only taught to people that are uh, acclimated to that philosophy so that they understand the um, the importance of old magic and when to use it, when not to use it. So the call to the mandrake spirit. Mm-hmm. One of my uh, favorites. Mandragora. Mandragora, I call to you spirit of mandrake. You are the master at watching the midnight hour, the sorcerer's root of the witch's power. The plant who wanted human form brings plant and witch to covenant sworn. Rooted dweller in the black earth unseen, hidden eyes peering to catch the moon scene. Leafy crown of stars, the greenwood might, empowers the will through the witch's right. Come to the thorn-blooded witch who hails. I call you to pass through the verdant veils. I reach out from the time-honored power by seed sprouts, budded leaf and flower. Ooh, yeah. That always gives me the chills. Yeah, it's uh, very powerful. So here in the calling, um, again, the reference to the sorcerer's root, so you're reminding the, the mandrake in the call of its, of its lineage, of its antiquity, and what it has always been powerful as a plant, the sorcerer's root. Um, rooted dweller in the black earth unseen, this is the idea. Um, mandrakes were forest plants, and so they were difficult to find, uh, which is one of the things that made them valuable. And it says, hidden eyes peering to catch the moon's beam, because this, again, reminds us of the magic between the moon and the earth and these circles that are drawn uh, in sorcery and witchcraft and magic. 
Um, so you're seeing a little mini teachings about the relationship between Mandrake and the celestial and terrestrial realms. So the next one is the spirit of Henbane, and the name is Nectira, Nectira, and she serves to bind anyone who troubles you. Mm-hmm. Um, so she will bring people um, into a situation where they can no longer um, move against you. And uh, this, this is necessary sometimes to bind someone. It's not intended to harm anybody, but it is intended to stop them from troubling you, harassing you, you know, abusing, abusing you. you in any way whatsoever. Um, and so binding spells can be um, something you need to turn to when the ordinary means uh, doesn't seem to be working, you know, trying to tell somebody to knock it off, trying to get people to... to uh, the, uh, what do we call it, um, you sit down and negotiate. Uh, mediate? Yeah, mediators. When all of that doesn't seem to work anymore, um, you can turn to a spirit like Nectira and mm-hmm. ask um, for aid in that way. Mm-hmm. Nectira, I call you spirit of Henbane. You are she who binds what shall not pass, holding all who provoke firm and fast. Harmful acts, hurtful words, harmful acts, hurtful words, wagging tongues are tied. Stone tight the ill intent, binding all who speak in lies. Roped to posts are all who pray, no release by night and not by day. Hunter is hunted and captured here, dispatched away, nothing now to fear. Come to the thorn-blooded witch who hails. I call to you, pass through the verdant veils. I reach out from time-honored power by seed, sprout, budded leaf, and flower. And so these are powerful words that are meant to, to empower the spirit um, about this way of binding and keeping people from harming you. Because the philosophy is basically that no one should have the right to to attack you arbitrarily, to attack you and make you have to continually strengthen your wards and fend them off, you know, day after day after day. Um, nobody has the right to get you that involved in um, away from you know your everyday life to have to deal with their little moment of uh, um, you know ill will. So you can call upon a plant spirit just to put that to rest quickly. And uh, that, to me, is very fair magic, just to put it to rest as quickly as you can, disable the your opponent. Um, again, it's not a harmful thing. You're not trying to harm them in any way. You just want them to leave you be, which is your right to live in peace. And interestingly enough, I must say something about that, mm. um, that often your opponent or the person who is harassing, stalking, uh, doing whatever it is they're doing um, that is disrupting your peace, that just because they don't understand what they're doing to you doesn't mean it's happening. The individual who is being attacked has every right to have a perception about what is happening in their lives and what needs to be done about it. Other people that don't realize sometimes the extent of what they're doing 
and the disruption and the dismay and the distress that they cause, that nothing is stopping it. So as Raven said earlier, you do have to sometimes call in something other than the idea of, of mediation or counseling or whatever, and especially if that's failed. Um, and you do have a right to protect yourself and to create a peaceful environment within your own life structure. And just, you know, you just want to dismiss and just wane away that that doesn't matter. Right. There's no point in casting a unneeded spell. <clears throat> that's, that's a waste of magical energy. So any spell you're going to cast, you, you have to believe it's needed and a necessary spell. I mean, no true witch ever just says, well, I think I'll cast a, a meaningless or unneeded spell. Hmm. You know, that, that's, of course, ridiculous. Okay, so now we're going to turn to the spirit of Rowan, one of my favorite spirits. And that spirit is called Rudwin, Rudwin, Rudwin. Rudwin. Yeah, but if you break it down for pronunciation, it'd be Rudwin, but it's actually Rudwin. Right, Rudwin. Um, and Rudwin serves to protect against enchantments that are aimed at you. So if you feel uh, your need to protect against someone working magic or enchantment, glamour on you, whatever it might be, um, the spirit of Rowan, Rudwin, is the spirit to call upon. And the thing, too, if you look at um, Rowan berries, they have a little natural star, which is part of where the twig connects to the berry. So they, they're red, and they have this little dark star, which is symbolic of protection, the five-pointed star. Mm-hmm. Rudwin, I call to you, spirit of Rowan. You are she who grasps enchantment in the mystic haze protecting all who honor those of the ancient ways. Star charms, red warnings, all ill plans you rend. Foes receive back in full measure whatever they do send. Spell-catching boughs spread out in the day and night, pulling down each baneful magic work or, work or rite. Which blood flows to all in line the living bright red charm? A promise made, a promise paid, and all are kept from harm. Come to the thorn-blooded witch who hails. I call you to pass through the verdant veils. I reach out from the time-honored power by seeds, sprout, budded leaf, and flower. I just want to add this, that uh, Rowan, uh, Rowan, that Rudwin, Raven and I, that we just um, harvested our Rowan berries from our trees. And uh, we will be making some uh, necklaces, one-of-a-kind necklaces, with the berries. And um, we should have those up on Raven's Loft very soon. Um, Those are, they they dry really nice. They they dry like a a hard um, berry wood. Right. And um, you can wear them. And they're from the Garden of Vermonti, where Where magic magic grows. the uh, way that you can work with spirits, and this is one example, you could take a branch of uh, rowan with some berries on it and call the spirit into it. Use the call and direct mm-hmm. the spirit mm-hmm. into it mm-hmm. so that the protection is laid within that uh, bough. And then that bough can be put up over your doorway. 
are kept in a room, your night above your bed or whatever for protection. So you can imbue things by calling the spirit to bless or empower an object. It's not that the spirit is bound to that object, but they're they're passing the virtue of their magic into it for you. So that's just a little tip on how you can use uh, the spirits to uh, create these kinds of charms. Um, do you want to take another break, or yeah, let's take one. Let's take a little break. Okay. And we'll come back and finish up. There's only a couple of maybe three or four spirits left. Okay, so uh, we'll be right back after this tune. I'm not sure what tune it is. I'm going to let my tunester decide on that, and we'll be back after this song. Stay tuned. Season of the Witch. Oh, 
Rise and wake, fairest lady of spring. Come and be wed to the forest king. Flower faces are your name, sweet lord, I wed you. Carry life within your breath. Call the May, call the May, call the May, call the May. Gather round people and call in the May. Call the May, call the May, call the May, call the May. Gather round people and call in the May. Come on, broom and meadowsweet, come on, broom and meadowsweet, come on. Come wake all the May, call the May, call the May, call the May. Gather round people and call in the May. Call the May, call the May, call the May, call the May. Gather round people and call in the May. All right, welcome back. That was Down the Bard, and that was from my um, toonster, um, Oak Broom and Meadowsweet. Again, somebody who has uh, generously allowed us to use his music on our show, so we would appreciate if you would um, support him. Down the Bard. Oak Bloom and Meadowsweet was the name of that song. So um, check him out. You'll be able to find him. Support support him as he supports us. Thank you so much. Okay. So we're going to do only one more call, but we are going to go through the rest of the spirits just to say what they are and name them. Um, But you can look them up if you're interested in the calls in uh, the Grimoire of the Thorn-Blooded Witch. But we're we just realized that if we keep going through all of these spirits uh, the way we've been, we're going to run out of time, and we have other things to talk about. So the last one we'll do the call for is the spirit of the rose, which I think is important because some of the things said in the call are really about the secretness of the rose and the inner teachings and the oath that is sworn. For example, um, beneath the rose, uh, sub rosa, it was a term used in ancient society to mean secrecy. They would, when teachings were being given, they would bring out a rose and, and the rose would be held up and anything spoken or heard beneath that rose was secret. Sub rosa, beneath the rose. So the spirit of, of the rose is called Rodonin and it's on Rodonan. I'm sorry, Rodonna. So it's Rodana. Rodana is the spirit of the rose. She uh, serves to preserve secrecy, agreements, and oaths. Rodana, I call to you spirit of the rose. You are she of the heartfelt ways. 
Petals of devotion soon since ancient were the days. Oaths that are spoken beneath your bloom, your oaths spoken beneath your blood-red bloom, bind to life and death and to the rebirth womb. Joiner and binder, hearts and souls do blend to meet, know, and remember, and then to love again. The double rose mysteries, the white rose and the red, all the mystic thorns are touched and all the wish and all the witches bled. Come to the thorn blooded witch who hails. I call you to pass through the verdant veils. I reach out from the time honored tower by seed, sprout, budded leaf and flower. So the important thing here is that mentioning of the oath, because things that are spoken beneath the rose, if they're violated, they still have influence upon the person. Even within a tradition, if someone leaves the tradition, it doesn't undo their oath. They they had spoken that oath, and that is binding. And so we learn from this particular call that that binding um, can even lead into the next uh, lifetime. So it's important um, to think about that when you give oaths, oaths of initiation and that type of thing, that um, they still influence you. It's not the people who uh, you uh, who perform the initiation, um, things that happen after somebody violates their oath. Those are not coming from the people that initiated you. They're coming from you having broken your oath, and the powers that be then um, react to that violation of oath sworn in sacred space. So the next one, um, we're not going to do the calls, but we do want to just tell you what the spirits are. Um, The spirit of Blackthorn is called Shidwa. Shidwa is the spirit of the Blackthorn. And the Blackthorn is unique because it has raw energy. It's strictly energy without any particular thing assigned to it. So it's not like, you know, the spirit of this that has power over that. Blackthorn is raw energy. You can put anything into it. It's like a stem cell sort of. Um, you can make it be whatever you want it to be. It, it has no um, connection to anything preset. So it's very moldable. Um, so again, that's the spirit of Blackthorn Shidwa. And you can read the call in my book for more of the Thorn Blooded Witch. And more information about the spirits are in the book as well. The spirit of Foxglove is called Tilana. I'm sorry, Tilana. <laughs> I have to get new glasses. Um, Tilana is the spirit of Foxglove. So Tilana serves to open or restore communication between the mortal world and the fairy realm. So it's one of the fairy spirits also. Um, there's another one, Benya, which I think we'll mention at the end of this. Um, but this is uh, to restore communication. So if there's been some kind of rift or lack of, uh, you know, um, I'm feeling a lack of relationship, you can restore that uh, by calling upon Tilana and asking her to become involved in restoring that uh, back to normal. 
The next one is the Spirit of the Walnut, one of the old magical trees of Italian witchcraft. And the spirit is called Wilhainen. So Wilhainen is the spirit of Walnut, and it serves to bring people into contact with what they need at the time. This falls back to the old stories in Italian folklore. When someone's on a quest or a journey, they'll come upon walnuts in these stories. If they crack the walnut open, the thing they needed to complete their quest is inside um, the walnut. So this is tying back to some very old lore. So when you feel that you need something to um, uh, move you forward, um, calling upon Wilhainen, spirit of walnut, is a very uh, good thing. Then there is the spirit of the willow, uh, which is called Weiliguen, is the spirit of the willow, and she serves to connect one with the higher nature and to establish true honor and fealty to ensure the sworn oath. So this is about the higher self. This is about bearing within you and holding to you your, your truths, your nobility, your integrity. Um, Waliguin can help you in that area. Uh, Benya, I mentioned earlier, is the spirit of Vervain and serves to bring you into contact with the fairy race. So the other spirit was to restore the relationship, and Benya is the first spirit to bring you in to connection um, with the fairy race. Right. So that's Benya, spirit of Vervain. And I believe mm, it's right here. That what? So on the bottom blue. Ah, we have a couple that's more to go. Um, I think that's it. Rue. We have uh, next one is uh, the spirit of Rue, which is Trinua. Trinua is the spirit of Rue. She serves to deflect and dissipate ill-intended enchantments. That's a very good spirit to uh, use when you think people are working against you. Okay. And then there's two more. Um, Dioma, spirit of Pennyroyal, oh, yeah. is a healing spirit. So it's really, uh, when you need healing, uh, call upon Dioma, spirit of Pennyroyal. And the last one is the spirit of Ivy, Hedera. Nadir is the spirit of ivy. Um, she will help you hold things together, tie things in place, um, bind things in, um, in the way of a hand fasting, not so much a protective binding, but also to hold you to your path. If you feel, you know, a strengthening is needed for your spiritual path, call Hadira, and she will sort of bind that and tighten it up. Um, so that you're walking soundly. So those are the spirits that we wanted to talk with you about. But you're, but you're not um, confined to just those spirits. You can work with any plant and go through she of the thorn blooded rose and ask to be introduced to that spirit. You may find that you'll even be past the name. So let's see where I move to next year. Uh, let's talk a little bit about the path itself. Um, the 
the path of the rose and thorn. Um, this is something that many years ago, Stephanie and I were drawn into uh, by, we were actually sitting in front of a, um, a little wooded area that was in front of our home, which the locals call a dingle. And we were receiving communications from the plants. And when we put our heads together about what was being passed, we found that independently we were actually having the same visions and ideas and seeing the same thing. So we knew it wasn't coming from just our imagination, either one of us. It was actually coming from an outside source. So the path of the rose and thorn is to understand that the rose symbolizes enlightenment and what is worthy of attainment in the spiritual evolution. The thorns of that path are those things that are there to call your attention, uh, to, to bleed you so that you understand the importance of them, to be transformed by that bleeding rather than rant and carry on and woe is me about the thorns of life. You see them as moments in which you can rise above that find strength and renewal and transformation. Um, the gods do not make of even the fairest life a thornless rose, is one of the mystery sayings. So the thorns represent all the challenges that make us stronger and, and the things that are worthy of enduring so that we can become beings that are involved in spiritual evolution. So that's the core of Ash, Birch, and Willow, is to reach for the rose to understand that there will be thorns, but not to bemoan those thorns, but to see them as opportunities to be stronger and to spiritually evolve beyond sort of the, the pettiness we can sometimes get uh, wrapped up to, wrapped up in here in the physical plane. So that's just a little bit about the rose and thorn path of the Ash Bertrand Willow system. We believe we are receiving information from the Greenwood realm we believe that there's a current flowing to us that is ever ancient and ever new, and that we're restoring ancient teachings in modern ways for modern people. And, and if I could just say this, interestingly enough, when we were uh, moving out of the firehouse, you know, we were packing up a lot of, well, we packed up, had to pack up everything. But when we were going through our cabinets of, of files, we found that we had actually started talking about Ash, Birch, and Willow in 2004. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it was, it was, in, you know, that was was the inception of it, really. And then as time went on, this is what has unfolded and, and become of it, um, which I think is just phenomenal. So um, we're going to uh, close in about ten minutes, uh, so we have that time left, and we'd like to to share some of our alignments with you because these are ways that we stay within that current or stream I was talking to you about that flows to us. Um, And we have a daily alignment, which is um, something we do to remind us of our place here, Um, to remind us of why, where we came from and why we're here. And um, so this is a daily alignment that's, um, we envision the rose and it has five petals. It's a red rose mounted with a smaller white rose and there's five little leafy petals that come off the rows of the red and five leafy ones that come off the white rows. And each one of those leaves on the particular colored rows means something. So by looking at the red rows, 
we follow that pattern almost like evoking a five-pointed star using those petals. And we begin saying, I am Pharmacute. So that's a statement of our our place and our, our identity. identity. Identifying ourselves. And then we say, I am a thorn-blooded witch of the old ways. ways. Again, refining and defining um, who we are and, and uh, where we come from. So then we reach up to the first pointed star, point of the star, and we say, I am a thorn, I'm sorry, I am descended from the stars, down to the next leaf, fated by the sun, to the next leaf, envisioned by the moon, to the next leaf, given form by the land, to the next leaf, and I stand with feet rooted in shadow, and reach upward towards the stars, so it brings you back to the stars. So this is telling us that we are stellar beings who descended into the material realm and we have a purpose. We are fated by the sun, meaning we have a natal chart. Envisioned by the moon, we have an astral body. Given form by the land, we have a physical body. And I stand with feet rooted in shadow, so we're connected to shadow, the memory of all things on the earth, so that in each incarnation we don't have to start over. We're already rooted in the memory and reach upward towards the stars because we know when we leave this physical body we will return to the stars so that's the daily alignment that we use and then we have another one to remind us of the thorns the things that were we had to study and learn and endure to become masters of the magical arts of the Ashburton willow tradition so we we do a reverse we look at the white rose, which is inverted, and we use the um, call, I am Pharmacute. I am the knower of plants, the seer of all that approaches, hearer of the whispering dead. I am born of this world, but I'm not of this realm, and I wield the forces that move all tides and seasons. So what we're saying there, I am the knower of plants, that's the mystical um, herbalist, the seer of all that approaches, that is the mystical seer, who, um, the fortune teller, the visionary, um, hearer of the whispering dead, that's the spirit medium, the ability to communicate with the dead. I am born of this world, but I'm not of this realm. Um, that is the mystic. And then, and I wield the forces that move all tides and seasons the magician and what that ties us in with is the idea of the moon tides and the wheel of the year that we wield those forces because we imbue ourselves with those forces so those are the things we seek to attain in the training of Ashbridge and willow the spiritual botanist or herbalist seership of the vision spirit mediums to communicate with the dead the mystic to see beyond physical form to see what is actually behind the manifestation, and then concluding with magic, the magician, the wielder of these elemental forces. The last uh, line that we have is actually for personal power. Before doing a ritual or a uh, a work of magic or healing or whatever it might be, you stand in the X position, so your arms and legs are stretched out and your body's forming an X. And as a pharmacute, someone connected to the greenwood magic and the realm of plants, we call out, I am pharmacute. 
roots beneath, hear me. Shadow below, know me. Branches above, connect me. For in between I stand as a thorn-blooded witch of the ways. So you're asking the roots beneath that communicate to hear you. You're calling upon shadow to know you, to remember you as Pharmakute. You're calling upon the branches of above to connect you with the celestial. For in between I stand to show that we stand between the terrestrial and the celestial as the thorn-budded witch of the ways to remind ourselves that that is our work to continue the ways that are ever ancient and ever new. Um, I am Pharmakute. One, one, the, the show's going to end soon, and uh, there's one thing that I did forget. If, if you would be patient with me and let me take sure. the last few minutes to say it. this. Um, I want to say that the last couple of months have been really overwhelming, or <laughs> six weeks or seven weeks, however long it's been. Since and um, dear friends of ours had set up a GoFundMe to assist Raven and I financially. And we are so grateful for that. And I am so grateful to all of you who have contributed. And I want to thank each and every person who has shown their good heart, their goodwill, their blessings, their love, their support um, for Raven and I during this time. The last three years for us has been so challenging. And without all of you, we would not have made it. We, I mean, it's just as simple as that. We try to do everything we can in order to keep our lives going. We are devoted to the ways. Um, we want to bring our teachings. We want to contribute. And knowing that, that you have appreciated this and supported us and loved us means more than the world to us and has been foremost in keeping us moving forward and not just saying, this is too much. Our strength comes from you as well as from within, and we thank you so much for that. Yeah, it's been incredible. You know, when you lose your home to a fire, you, you have no idea um, of the expenses that you incur. Uh, the insurance company may or may not reverse you down the line, but that's months and months away, and you still have to pay your mortgage, you still have to pay your bills, you still have to buy food and all that stuff. And all of that is amplified because you're left with nothing, and all of a sudden you have to find a means of, of, of surviving financially. And, and so many of you have eased that burden um, in, in such a powerful way, and we're, and we're just so, so grateful. Well, that um, and just the distress from the law, yeah. you have no idea until that right. you're actually in it. But, you know, we've gotten received letters from strangers. We've had people who we don't even know offered to let us come live with them. I mean, when this first started, we had a woman who's in Europe, and she offered us her mortar home for six months while she's in Europe to live in while they were rebuilding our house. I mean, just strangers reaching out in ways that are just incredible. So, um, you know, that's part of the magic, isn't it? I mean, it's also part of our loving community where we really do have good people, people who, who reach out to others in times of tragedy and can set aside their own lives for a moment or two and, and try to help someone in, in, um, in distress, and, and that's amazing. Mm -hmm. But it's also part of the magic. You know, when you live a magical life, um, the powers that be move forces that, that help you. And um, so it's all integrated. We can't separate the magic from um, the witches, 
from the community, from the pagans. Um, none of this is, can be separated out. So we survive and continue on to do our work, and um, we really appreciate that that was important enough to you to reach out and help us, and we're here for you, and we will continue um, to do the good work that needs to be done. So join us again on September the 6th. That will be our next show of Seasons of the Witch. And uh, in the meantime, we'll, we'll find something interesting to talk to you about. And thank you so much for joining us again tonight. And as we leave, let us release the spirits that we call. Yes. And as they withdraw back into the realm, may, may there, there always be peace between us. May, may they always look with favor upon us. We release all spirits that were called. All is as it was before. Blessed be. We'll see you next time on Seasons of the Witch. Thank you so much for joining us. Good night.